Today's podcast is sponsored by Lara Bar, the original fruit and nut bar brand. Founder Lara American believes that a healthy mind and body begins from within. That's why she created a range of indulgent and delicious bars made from six real ingredients as close to their natural state as possible for more mindful snacking. Lara Bar gives you a tasty treat made of simple, minimally processed, vegan and gluten-free ingredients without added sugar and flavors. Simple, real, delicious. Head over to larabar.co.uk to see all the flavors on offer. Today, I'm joined by Gemma Carell. Gemma is a freelance illustrator, cartoonist and writer, originally from the UK and now based in Oakland, California. A first-class graduate of the Norwich School of Art and Design, Gemma's work has a strong narrative basis and she specialises in hand-drawn comics and character design. Gemma has published several of her own books with a unique and often humorous take on unlikely topics such as feminism and mental health, and she's illustrated numerous children's books, including the Pugly series by Pamela Burchard. She has an absolutely enormous following for her work on social media, and she joins me today on Your Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time, Gemma, for joining me on the podcast today uh, via Zoom from from the US. How long ago did you move out to the US? Because you are you are British. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hence the accent. Um, my husband and I both really love um, California. We used to come here on vacation um, as often as we could afford to, and um, we both kind of love you know the aesthetics of California. Um, the weather so um, yeah it was just kind of a dream for both of us to move here and it took a while to make it happen but we eventually did five years ago. Wow congratulations I think for many people listening that will also be a dream that they might be working towards moving out to the west. Yes. <laughs> um, you just mm-hmm. mentioned uh, just now about the fires is that close to where you are at the moment or how is that? There are quite a few fires around California. There's nothing extremely close to where we are. Um, There is one close enough that yesterday everything was covered in ash. That one was started by a pyrotechnic for a baby gender reveal party. Oh my gosh. I don't know if those gender reveals have come over to quite an extent to the UK yet, but maybe because of social media it has. I don't know at all. Mm. It's not my world, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about them, but I do know that it's a bad idea to use fireworks uh, in the middle of fire season. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I hope you guys are safe. And, um, I hope <laughs> yes, things are closer to, to you. It's not, um, gosh, those sorts of fires aren't an issue for us in the UK. So I guess that's one of the one of the compromises with moving out to California. Yeah, yeah, that and earthquakes. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> How often are you experiencing earthquakes? Um... Not not very often. Um, usually they're small enough and I don't feel them. Um, the only one I've really felt was I was actually at Disneyland <laughs> with my friends and uh, we were at a, sitting down at a restaurant and then um, everything started moving and it took us a while to realise what was happening because um, everyone was starting to run into doorways. <laughs> oh, wow. We were just kind of sitting at the table like, is it an earthquake? <laughs> That's where you are, right? If you're on a ride, you might just assume that it's just part of the whole part of the whole experience right yeah <laughs> yeah like wow this ride's really bumpy today <laughs> yeah extra bumpy oh wow okay cool Gemma so I want everyone to understand 
part of your your journey and your background into what you do you're a fantastic um very renowned illustrator with a huge uh, following on social media how did you decide on your career as an illustrator was it always something that you wanted to do i always loved reading and illustration when i was a kid um i read all the time and i loved cartoons too um my parents had the um far side anthology so like uh, gary larson's cartoons and i would read those kind of every day and i i knew i wanted to be an illustrator but i also had concerns about getting a real job and so on so i kind of fluctuated throughout my school career between wanting to be an illustrator and you know I spent a lot of my free time making um, illustrations I would make little books for my friends where I'd write a story and illustrate it and (laughs) force them force it upon them but um, by the time I got out of high school I was kind of a little scared about doing art as a career so I decided to go off and do um, English literature instead. Um, Doing that I realised that I actually did want to um, pursue illustration when I was very very scared. Um, It's still a pretty scary occupation to be in sometimes. Yeah. Um, But I made it happen. That's incredible. I I like that. And I like the honesty of that, you know, because a lot of the time people might be listening and they may have a passion of theirs that they've ignored. But it's true that sometimes you have to absolutely do something that you don't want to do for you to really realise that that was your passion and it was your truth and it is something that you wanted to do. And then that it's still scary, Mm -hmm. even though that you found, you Mm -hmm. know, all this success as you do it. So would you say that that's where your love for illustration came from? Just the fact that you were surrounded by it, that um, that your parents um, were open to that? Or was it not something that they massively encouraged either? Um, I don't think my parents were necessarily super keen on me pursuing illustration because it's just not um our family have very sensible jobs you know like nursing and teaching so I think they were just scared for me and even when I was at art school I was still unsure about what I was going to do I think when you're at when you're at university you're still pretty young really you know even at high school you're kind of expected to choose what you're going to study and what you're going to do and it seems very set in stone like oh I must do this subject so that I can get this job and you know it just doesn't always work that way people end up changing careers throughout their lives so nobody's stuck doing one thing and if you really have a passion that you want to pursue if you really love it I I really believe that you can make it happen it just takes work and dedication and and time yeah absolutely There, there is an element of um consistency um to to your work and your style that comes through anyone that can see your work it's it's instantly recognizable was that something that you that you narrowed down early on or is that just an expression of who you are and is that style going to continue with you throughout or is it hard to say because I understand that it's a creative process for you um I think I've always used a similar style I can look back at drawings I did when I was a kid and and definitely see the kind of simple lines and simple colors that I still use now and I can see a lot of the difference between the work I did this year and the work I did last year but I think um, most people can easily recognize my style even from a few years ago Um, so it's not necessarily something that I consciously developed Um, I like 
simplifying things down to where it's still coherent, but it's um, simple enough to deliver the message across. Yes. And um, also I like using simple color palettes. And part of that is just because I used to have a really cheap scanner. And um, <laughs> when I tried to use color, it just wouldn't scan properly. So I decided to just start using red, which always scanned really well. And um, as it happened, I also liked red as a color and I just like the graphicness of black and red together. So that's mm-hmm. kind of become my signature style now. Oh, I love that. Because I was about to actually ask you, how would you describe your process of creating such uh, unique illustrations? But I guess that's a little bit of background for us on how you found your style. You you mentioned actually about the message. So what what sort of messages and stories do you tell in your in your illustrations and how important do you think that is, especially for perhaps some of our audience that might not be that familiar with your work? Because there are lots of messages and stories in what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, firstly, the the kind of work that I put online, at least, um, you know, I do do commissioned illustrations, which aren't necessarily kind of personal. Um, but the work that I, that I share online is very personal. It's all kind of drawn from my real life. Um, and I am beginning to kind of reconcile my commissioned illustrations that I do for clients and for brands. Um, with my own personal work um, so like with Larabar they've given me quite a um, a pretty open brief um, so I'm using kind of the idea of mindful eating and snacking mm. which um, is something that I'm already interested in anyway um, and I'm still using my personal style because mindfulness and mental health are very important subjects to me a lot of my work is about women's issues in particular. Um, I like drawing things that haven't, people don't really talk about that much. Um, mm-hmm. So mental health for a start and then things like menstruation. I think that's why I've loved your work for such a long time because you you have an incredible sense of humour which really comes through your work and, uh, and it's quite hilarious. But how do you manage to consistently um, channel energy into what you create like that? Because, again, as someone that's uh, witnessed your work um, and seen your work, I love that that British sense of humour that comes through, which can sometimes come across as quite dark. Um, yes. <laughs> but it's always it's always funny, you know? How, how do you find that balance without someone saying, Gemma, I think you've gone over to the dark side with this one? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, everything that I do begins in my sketchbook. Um, I have... A ton of sketchbooks which I draw in every day and I just kind of draw without thinking about it too much I just put my thoughts down on paper so it's kind of like a journal in a way as well mm-hmm. um so in that way it's kind of almost a therapy for me I think one of the reasons that it doesn't come across too dark is because I'm because it's so personal I'm I'm punching I'm never punching down I would never make fun of somebody else's issues um or even presume to draw a comic about somebody else's like a mental health issue that I don't have experience with it's always something that I know personally Mm. yeah that's wonderful which is why I think people um really resonate with your work and relate to it because you you do talk about some issues and topics that might traditionally have been difficult to talk about but because it's portrayed in a way that makes it accessible and easy to understand and with a with a touch of humor i think uh i think that's what people really really resonate with yeah yeah i hope so <laughs> 
So does that give some background about your, you know, about your collaboration with Laura Barr and your brand ethos aligned with that? Like, is that why it feels like a great fit to work together? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I also just like Lara Barr. One of the things that's important to me is that when I work with a brand or a client, um, it's a, they have an ethos that I already align with. And I just like their emphasis on, um, on mindfulness, um, particularly around food, because I think there's, you know, diet culture is very, very toxic. Um, I see a lot of it here in California, but it's mm-hmm. international. And yeah, so I really, I really appreciate what they're doing with their campaign. Um, and I felt like my work was a good fit for that. So that I'm in the same way that I talk about mental illness, I would like to talk about diet culture and mindful eating um, in a simple, accessible way, but using a little bit of humor. Oh, that's awesome. So you've, you have amassed a huge uh, social media following. Yeah. Um, but I try not to let that dictate what I do. Um, as you get more followers, it can be um, more difficult to please everybody. And I have that issue myself where I'm kind of somebody who is a people pleaser and I really worry a lot about what other people think. Mm. And I've really had to work on myself and... Um, appreciate that I'm never going to be able to please everybody and just to continue doing what I already do with my with my work that's wonderful actually was that something that you had to become aware of for yourself because of that happening for you on social media and because there were so many more people looking at your work and sharing it and perhaps even commenting or or was it something that you were already aware of for yourself um, I was kind of already aware of it from my personal life, but I think sharing my work on social media kind of brought it to the forefront for me as something that I really do need to work on. Before it was just kind of, I was like, oh yeah, that's just the kind of person that I am and never really considered that it could be something that I change. And so what has part of that journey been for you? What have you how would you say that you've stepped into that? Because I love what you just said a few moments ago about how you're authentic. Um, and for many people, I think that's what they may be struggling with, especially, you know, since we're on the topic of social media, that when, when you do share something that is quite personal to you, and then when people begin to resonate with it, we lose some authenticity. But how would you say that um, you've maintained your authenticity to come through? What practice do you do? What was your, what was your process for that? Um, one of the main things I do is um, I really try not to look at other people's work on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, Good and I've been kind of aware since I was at college that there are certain, since I was at art school, that there are certain trends. Um, and I've always consciously tried to stay away from anything that I think is just kind of a fad or a trend. Mm. Um, I think there's definitely kind of like this, echo chamber of social media where everyone's just looking at the same things all the time and it just creates this kind of sameness um so I really try to look outside of the of social media and of the internet and um one of the really important things that I do every day is kind of like go out for a walk um obviously it's a little different now with the pandemic I can't do all the things that I would usually do but Mm -hmm. um I like to have a lot of 
inspiration from as many places as possible. So I like to read books and go to museums and go to like antique stores and just look at things and get as much uh, visual and um, information as I can. It's like real visual information as opposed to just on a screen. Yeah, exactly. Scrolling with your finger. Wow, gosh, all that stuff feels like such a distant memory right now. (laughs) Since you mentioned um, the current current global climate, you know, new routines have been established over the last few months. People have taken time to rest. They're reflecting on their habits, their lifestyles. Some have found new hobbies that they've always wanted to try, but perhaps Mm -hmm. uh, never had the time to do it. How do you think this time and this period of of lockdown and the way global health is changing has affected people's way of life. Um, Do you think it's helped people become a bit more mindful of how they're approaching everyday life? Have you seen uh, more creativity or less? How, how, what's your take on it? I mean, I can only really speak for the people, um, people that I know personally, but um, I think a lot of people are beginning to realize that work is not, doesn't have to be the center of their universe and actually that they can, pursue things that they love and it doesn't have to be um hustle culture is a big thing at the moment where it's Mm -hmm. like you have to turn what you love into a into a second career if you love you know sewing you should start making things and selling them on etsy and um for me personally i've discovered that i need to have things that i can't monetize Mm. Um, and i know a lot of my friends have been doing things like crap like i get um I do zoom calls with my friends and we do like crafting and things like that but it needs to be a like an actual hobby because as soon as you try and you think like I'm going to sell this or I'm going to monetize this it just becomes another job and hopefully right now people are learning that personal life and hobbies are equally as important as Mm. work I like the way that you refer to it as hustle culture. Um, I think that might be a bit more American, but certainly the mm-hmm. concept of it is, you know, quite global. Um, with being able to turn things you love into into your next job and all of this sort of stuff. But there were many people coming out and saying, but we need hobbies. The purpose of hobbies is to to have that downtime and to not be thinking about that sort of stuff so that there's space to create and and to come up with with something new for your own life not just to right. not just to monetize it so how do you find that balance because you're you know especially since we just talked about your journey at the beginning it was clearly a passion for you and and something that you love um have you had to find something else <laughs> uh, that you do that no one else knows about that is just um a pure hobby that doesn't find a way to seep into your work um yeah I definitely have and there's so many hobbies which are which can kind of intersect with um with illustration and comics um like crafting um so I I mean this was a hobby that I already had but I've really um, done a lot more of it um during the pandemic which is playing the piano I know that I am not good enough to ever be able to monetize (laughs) it which is the most important thing like it is never going to be more than a hobby for me it just can't be so yeah something like that that's just you know I don't have to be the best at it I just have to enjoy it I don't have to play Beethoven I can just play Disney songs 
And <laughs> <laughs> so has um, has lockdown impacted your ability to be creative since you're not able to expose yourself to as much stuff? Do you have bursts of inspiration where you just create, create, create and then have downtime or have you have you developed new habits that help you be consistent? I definitely have had more downtime, I would say, just because I haven't been able to do the certain things like um, going for walks to bookstores or whatever or the library that I would usually do but um, I've been reading I have a lot of books um, about illustration and and by artists that I love and I've just been I got myself a a chair to sit in which I didn't have before (laughs) like a nice comfy armchair. What did you sit in before to read? Um, Well I just sat like on a pillow on the floor or something (laughs) Um, or in the other room but now I'm able to sit in my studio with my books and just kind of read and not because I'm trying to like think of an idea and I need inspiration fast and just for more casual inspiration I guess I would say I always have my sketchbooks with me I have um, a bunch of sketchbooks I have um, little travel sketchbooks which I carry around with me and then I have big sketchbooks which I have at home and um I find it a lot more effective to be constantly drawing in my sketchbook and um, drawing ideas as they come to me rather than um, kind of rushing to come up with an idea when I have a deadline or a job. So usually what I do when I'm drawing um, a comic or something like when I'm drawing um, illustrations for the Larabar campaign, I will go through my sketchbooks Um, and just the act of going through them sometimes sparks an idea and sometimes I have to sit for a couple of hours just flicking through um, (laughs) and trying to like get through the all the kind of random doodles and nonsense to find an idea that I've written in the past that I want to use now Mm. Um, it's a lot less pressure for me to work that way and I just kind of enjoy it more as well yeah, well, that's such a good idea. And I think that would be a real uh, a real tip for our listeners that, you know, that may also be in the creative industries and that share their work. Um, it's great inspiration. You know, you can't always force it, but to, to allow it to flow whenever it comes through and then you can refer mm-hmm. back to it. Is that something that you learnt um, in the process? Is this the advice that you would give your, your younger self? Um, did you have to learn it the hard way? <laughs> Um, I've always kept a sketchbook um, or some kind of diary since I was a kid and back then it was just kind of more more of a journal of my day um, and as I got into art school I was still kind of keeping these these journals and making these diary comics they were kind of separate from the work that I was doing I still felt like I had to make you know paintings and kind of what I considered to be proper art like I still had that mindset from high school where it was like mm. proper art is Picasso or, um, you know, some Matisse or some fine artist um, and kind of illustration is considered like a lesser art, even though, you know, some illustrators, there's people like Quinton Blake who, yeah. like, who's to say that he's less important than Picasso. Mm. But um I fully agree with you. And that's a really great example of an illustrator that you've given there that um, I'm sure the majority of our listeners will instantly be able to relate to and right. and and recognise and conjure up an image as opposed mm-hmm. to even some of the other artists you mentioned. Yeah, so I was continuing to keep these sketchbooks when I was at art school, but 
I wasn't really um, sharing them or considering them as part of my work until um, my professor one day kind of saw me drawing in the sketchbook and look and wanted to look through it. And because a lot of what I was drawing was personal as well. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to share this. <laughs> um, but I let him have a look and he was kind of like, this is what you should be doing. Wow. Um, please stop trying to paint. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't quite that harsh, but the, the, his message was ultimately, you are not good enough at painting to do this. You should be doing comics and um I was kind of writing a lot as well so he was like go and read some David Sedaris go and look at some comic artists and that's what you should be doing and as soon as he said it it kind of made perfect sense but I'd never considered that real art Mm. was it quite a relief when he suggested that it was but at the same time I still didn't completely believe him I was like, do people really get paid to do this? <laughs> and it took me a while to to fully embrace that side of my work and actually do what I what I enjoy. Because mm. there's this also this kind of guilt feeling of like, if I'm doing something that I love, it's not really work. And I was like, no, I should be doing something that's real work. Like I feel like I'm really achieving something. Um and I still kind of feel like that when I share personal work, it's like, well, it's just something that I doodled because of the way I was feeling on that particular day, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really important. But then if I end up sharing it and I, and people respond to it um, and I'm able to, I, I do like as much as um, social media can be a, a pain in the bum sometimes, um, I do appreciate being able to communicate with people from all over the world um, and chatting with my followers is is really great sometimes. Yeah. Wow. So do you think that mindset's changed for you? Do you, do you, have you yet convinced yourself um, that it is proper art and that it is a proper job uh, or are you still on that journey? I think I'm more or less all the way there convinced um, (laughs) partially because I see other people who are doing it and I believe that they're doing real work and real art so just trying to reconcile my own work with with that I'm like oh I'm doing the same thing so (laughs) um so it's kind of more a self-confidence issue than anything else yeah Um, I think also just kind of having my work uh used by brands like with Larabar or on greetings cards and being sold in shops it's something tangible like my grandma can go and she can see a card that I've designed in Sainsbury's. So that's something like real and it's not just abstract, like, like a social media post. Like once I know that my grandma can understand what I'm doing, then I'm happy. (laughs) I love that. I love that as a a benchmark in a way. (laughs) What you said just reminds me right now, one of our um, other presenters, Jessica Huey, um, she she wrote a book with Hay House called Purpose and she's very much about that you know she hosts these workshops where it's about getting us to understand that we might look at other people we might look at plenty of others around us who are perhaps doing what we do um and maybe we think that they're they're either better at it or more successful but then when we actually step away from it we realize that that is our playing field and that's where we are and and giving ourselves a permission to show up um Mm -hmm people see us as well so giving ourselves that permission to really step into that and say no I I'm doing it I'm smashing it and and this is who I am 
um yeah so as you said to to reconcile that within us which again i think lots of our listeners could could resonate with for sure so when did you discover mindfulness and meditation and how how much that impacts you and your work was that part of your journey um with mental health as you mentioned earlier or um i discovered it at first when i was still living in england um i started going to a yoga class um and in my mind, it was more for, for fitness than anything. I didn't really know much about yoga at the time. Um, but at the end of the session, we do um, the mindfulness meditation. And I found that it really helped with my stress levels. And so I started practicing at my at home by myself at the end of the day. And then, yeah, that's something that I've just kind of carried on doing myself, whether it's I still go to a yoga class, but I still um, practice at home by myself. Also, just um, I've read a lot more about it. Obviously, mindfulness is a much bigger thing now. There's there's so many books and articles and websites. It can be a little overwhelming. But um, the thing that I've taken away is just the simple act of of taking time out mm. in some form or another. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that. So Gemma, what is what is next in the world of Gemma and in your work? What can our listeners um, expect to see from you in the coming months? Or is it as much a surprise for you <laughs> as for everyone else? <laughs> I mean, often it is it's as, as much a surprise for me because my client work tends to be quite quick. I'll get a brief and it'll be finished within a month. Um, but long term, I um, I'm working on a graphic novel, um, which is actually going to be about mental health and um, anxiety in particular. Um, and hopefully, also I'll be able to include. Um, it's going to be like a personal journey, so I'll be able to include some information about how I use mindfulness as well, um, mm-hmm. and all the different things that I've learned and tools that I've learned to cope with anxiety personally um so I'm working on the proposal right now and then see where it goes from there wow that sounds amazing good luck with that we definitely would love to have you back once that's all um, once that's all out for you and we'd love to have you come and present at one of our festivals so we could see your work wow. yeah that would be great of, yeah and hear some of some of your um inspired tools and techniques that have Mm-hmm. Worked for you that's really exciting so you're always going to be welcome with us whenever you're ready Gemma thank you once I can travel again oh yes I know something that we're all longing for something yes. we're all longing for. <laughs> well we often ask our our guests on the podcast to share um a tip or a challenge for us all to to practice after the podcast or even whilst we're listening what would be your key takeaway for our community and for our listeners I would say worrying less about what other people think is very important. And that's kind of something that you have to work on for your whole self. If you're making creative work, um, it's only going to happen if you can worry less about what other people think in general. And also the ability to stand outside and observe um, a situation or a feeling um, I think mindfulness can be really helpful with that. Um, I personally find it helpful um, when I'm having like a creative block. Anything that's mindful, it doesn't necessarily mean like meditation, but just going for a walk or playing the piano 
something that I have to fully immerse myself in and I can't be thinking about work at the same time kind of creates a clearer headspace. I can spend a whole day stressing over one piece of work and just overworking it and overworking it and getting really frustrated. And then as soon as I take a minute to stop and meditate or just go for a walk and have a snack or whatever, it usually happens that that's when the ideas come. When It's like with anything in life. Like when you are trying to make something happen, it just feels like it's never going to. Whereas when you stop trying, that's when that thing usually happens. Yes. Yeah. You say um, the law of the body is effort. So if, if we want to achieve something with the body, we have to put in effort. But the law of the mm-hmm. mind is effortlessness. We can't force ourselves to create or remember or forget. Right. Only when we completely drop the effort does, a, does all that magic strike. Yeah. Well, Gemma, that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thank you so much for taking so much time with me this morning. I know it's early where you are. Um, but having a chat with me uh, across the pond um, and for sharing all your wonderfulness with our listeners. Thank you for having me pleasure it's been a real pleasure for more information about the well-being festival visit mindbodyspirit.co.uk today's episode was sponsored by larabar i've been your host pavani vias and this episode was produced by josh roberts and our sound engineer erin milliken thanks for listening and we'll be back very soon